Welcome to the Ugly Truth. Step one, train the people only to consume. Step two, infiltrate adults with the news. Step three, indoctrinate the children through the schools and the music and the apps on the phones that they use. Step four, separate the right from the left. Step five, separate the white from the black. Step six, separate the rich from the poor. Use religion and equality to separate them more. Step seven, fabricate a problem made a lie. Step eight, put it on the news every night. Step nine, when people start to fight and divide, take control. This is called situational design they can't stop us cause we're ready to fight trying to brainwash us but we won't let freedom die the whole world's brainwashed everybody pick a team start a riot in the streets the whole world's brainwashed it's us against them it ain't you against me we're with you tom we will not back down this is the ugly truth Hard to listen to, but impossible to ignore. It's time to tell the truth. It's hard to listen to, but impossible to ignore. Yep. The ugly truth. Tonight, it's the ugly truth of gender-affirming care. There is a mental health crisis in this country. Can anyone disagree? Can Mm. anyone disagree that there is more teenage depression, more teenage suicide, more suicide among all ages of individuals, but especially in teens. And this trend started prior to COVID. I was yes. looking at statistics in 2018, and I saw the articles coming out from the national agencies and the state agencies mm-hmm. where they started really emphasizing the suicide statistics, actually overtaking things like heart disease and and lung. I mean, those are the one and right. two. Right. And, and suicides among teens were obviously higher than those two in that category. And I said to you in 2018, I said, they're trying to make a big deal out of suicide lately. And then for, what have we had for the last five years? Yep. It's suicide been horrible. Suicide after suicide after suicide after suicide. And, you know, even the first, the interview that we did first with Tucker and Mr. Means, mm-hmm. he even discussed the fact that the pharmaceutical companies have been plugging children with with pill, 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 including the ADHD medication and the SSRIs. They even covered it in Mm -hmm. that interview, which I didn't get a clip on. But when we covered the SSRI epidemic, we discussed how antidepressants are handled out like candy to teens. Antidepressant SSRIs can potentially have nasty side effects long after stopping them. One of those was PSSD post SSRI sexual dysfunction. This can cause total loss of libido, genital numbness, emotional blunting for years or decades. You think people are told about this? Hmm. Now, is that is that an abbreviation? Go back up. The PSSD or is that PTSD? No, it's PSSD. Because I know PTSD is another. I mean, we all we right. have that from different things. That's the the post sexual the sexual dysfunction that co- okay. is caused by mm-hmm. the SSRI. Well, these SSRI issues lead some to believe that they're not right in the body that they were given and that gender treatment will somehow fix it. But that's not the case as we are seeing more and more that are detransitioning. Can you imagine that? I know. Cutting yourself and then putting yourself back together. I mean just just this oh yeah 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 and all the hormones it's just we're seeing lots of health issues because of it. This push to transition our children, first of all, should be illegal and should be considered abuse. It mm-hmm. absolutely should be. 
But this push to transition our children is detrimental not only for the child, but for society as a whole. We're dealing with all of these confused, dead children. Either yeah. confused or dead, one of the two. Well, and, and in the SSRI epidemic, we even covered the fact that a lot of these kids who were on SSRIs ended up being the mass shooters too. Yep, so, oh, absolutely. So it's them. causing so much, pro so much problem out there. Mm -hmm. Transition activists, advocates want full access to these fragile youth to the point that they are pushing criminal laws to lock up parents for negligence or even abuse if the parents don't support their agenda. Currently, there is a legislative push in many states to ban this practice. There are currently 22 states with a ban on the books. And here's a little map we put together for you. The red states are the banned gender-affirming youth care. The ones with green have no bans at all. The ones in Peach, the governor vetoed the ban bill that the legislation passed. Hmm. And they couldn't um, override, the, override veto. the veto. Hmm. And then um, one of them, uh, Arizona banned surgery only. Hmm. Okay. So what happens when a child is told she's born in the wrong body and undergoes life-altering surgery only to experience regret? A growing number of young Americans are being manipulated by social media and pushed by medical professionals to take hormones and undergo surgery. Now, many are finding the courage to detransition and warn others about their experience. You had a video from Prager, didn't you? Right. Tonight, Prager used short documentary, Detrans, The Dangers of Gender-Affirming Care, features young Americans who are manipulated to transition and have chosen to detransition and share their experience. So we're going to watch that. Oh, that's going to, we're going to have uh, interviews there with detransitioners Daisy Strongen and mm -hmm. Abel Garcia. Hmm? And transgenderism expert and fellow at the Manhattan Institute, Lior Sapir. And attorney Harmeet Dillon, whose clients are suing healthcare providers for performing gender-affirming surgery on minors. So this video is a wake-up call to all of us. Our children are in danger, and it's up to us to protect them. This is Courage, and he's going to pull me through. Okay, Courage. Right. Pull me, Courage. Pull. Pull. You wanna be, you wanna I really am sad that I took my voice for granted. Like, I didn't just take it for granted. I hated it. Like, and now, like, I would go, I would do anything to have that voice again. Our goal here is to offer gender-affirming There is a substantial body of research that shows these treatments Treatment work. Treatment for gender dysphoria is proven to be life-saving medical care. It really comes down to how uncomfortable with their body parts. Deciding to permanently alter the body. And do they want to change those body parts? Who's there for their detransitioning? Nobody. Not children have already been victimized by this barbaric suicide. Ridiculous. My childhood was ruined. This needs to stop. We have a serious I had an alter ego. 
And he was like this boy that I like customized in my mind of like the ideal boy. Other girls looked so different than I did. They were, you know, expressing themselves very differently. I was depressed, hopeless, and I was feeling pretty dejected and scared and alone. I didn't like life. Like, I just wanted to stay in my room all day. As you spiral into depression, it really feels like you're in a hole that is so infinitely deep. And the depression just was really debilitating in that I didn't really care about self-worth is not a real thing improving myself because I already felt like I was just like I shouldn't have been born just having really like dark thoughts I always just felt very much like there was just something wrong with me and I was trying to figure it out and I used the internet to help me do that that's where I felt like I could diagnose myself. My favorite websites were YouTube and Tumblr. I really it's such a huge amount of content that I consumed at that time. I mean, I watched a lot of trans people. I watched a lot of, you know, gender transformation videos and saw these people really just like go from female to male visually. Like they looked like men. And I was like, whoa, I didn't even know that it was possible for a woman to pass as a man that well. It's really dark when you think about it because the people who are consuming this are children, like 13, 14, 15 years old. And it's so easy for them to literally be groomed. I just started looking into all of it. I was like, oh, so there's gender queer, gender fluid, there's agender, there's like, you can be a demi-girl, which is when you're like 90% girl, 10% not girl. Like, there's just an infinite amount of ways that you can interpret and express your own gender identity. And your gender identity is who you are and nobody gets to take that away from you. So hearing that, I just became very, very interested in having a male persona. The more time I spent online, the more it felt like real life. And the more real it felt, which eventually led to me just fully transitioning. So I came out to my parents as Ollie and, you know, I went to this, I guess, behavioral mental health clinic for like six days. They had a meeting with my parents and they basically told my parents that if you don't validate Oliver, if you don't validate him, then this is just going to get worse. The best thing that you can do to help him is to accept him as your son. But I already felt like I wasn't what my mom had expected. And for me, transitioning was the closest I could come to killing myself without actually doing it. With all of these mental struggles that I was having, not knowing how to make sense of it on my own, and consuming so much of the trans narrative and just loving life hearing people say this made me so much happier this alleviated my pain i wanted to alleviate my pain i also didn't want to be who i was so 
with transitioning, I could do both of those things. I could alleviate my pain and I can become someone else. I wanted to escape my own identity as Daisy. My name is Ali Chadra, and this is my voice one day before testosterone. That was really the beginning. I wasn't just playing around anymore. I wasn't just playing dress up anymore. Like I was actually going to become a trans man and live my life that way. Culturally, we are Mexican and men have to be very masculine in our culture and I wasn't the most masculine growing up, and I think that had a part on everything that eventually led me to do what I did. It was around middle school. I was surfing YouTube one day, and a video popped up, male to female, and that eventually planted the seeds of doubt. It allowed me to be caught by the ideology that eventually led me to hurt myself. Eventually, I just wanted an answer to be given to me on who I was, and I went to see a therapist, and I had only asked, I think I might be trans, I don't know, I want to know. The therapist, immediately on my first appointment with her, said, yes, I am a transgender woman. She had my letter to transition the same appointment. After that, I just took everything slowly, But eventually my father found out what I was doing. And due to our culture, he was not happy. And he took me to Mexico and had me have sexual relationship against my will with a prostitute. I was a 19-year-old kid, and my father told the prostitute, take good care of him, it's his first time. He was trying to prove that I was a man. That broke me, obviously. After that, I go back to the therapist and told her I wanted to transition. And she recommended I start my social and medical intervention as soon as I can. 11 months after I had started hormones, I was transferred to another medical professional who, after speaking with him for one time only, he approved me for surgery. And a few weeks after that session, I got two letters from my insurance approving me for surgery. But I was a little surprised that I received my letter for bottom surgery, which was removal of my genitals without even asking. My name is Ali Chadra. This is my voice pre T. My name is Ali Chadra, and this is my voice one month on T. Two days ago was my official three months on testosterone. This is my voice four months on T. It's probably not really a good thing that I was able to get my hormones so easily. I mean, 
anyone can go in there. Not only did they send me home with the hormones, but I actually did my very first shot right there in the doctor's office. And I was just euphoric and it was real. And I was actually going to start seeing changes and I was going to start passing, which basically meant that everyone around me was going to see me as a boy, an actual boy. This feels good. This makes me happy. I'm actually feeling the feelings that you know, all those like trans people online were saying that they felt. I just want to say that I'm literally so happy with my chest. It's so much better than I thought it would be. Seemingly out of nowhere, we've suddenly seen a huge spike in media depictions and social media depictions of transgenderism. It's even reached the mainstream advertising world. This month, I and I think this is all coming to a head and what this really means for our society in cases like the case of Layla Jane a young girl whose breasts were removed at age 13 by doctors who fed her a lie. Take this next case. Layla Jane was born a girl. She Layla Jane experienced a host of medical issues in her youth. Her mother, who is bipolar, expressed to these uh, physicians and therapists that her daughter might be bipolar, but she actually never received any diagnosis or treatment for that. The family went to one physician who, after less than a two-hour appointment, green-lighted the hormone therapy and in a similarly or even shorter period of time a plastic surgeon signed off after one visit on removing her breasts. Like most young women who go down this path of identifying transgenderism as the solution to their problems reinforced by irresponsible medical care providers, it's likely that if physicians had properly diagnosed all of the issues present in Layla Jane as a child, she would never have gone down this path. When parents of trans-identified kids are referred to specialized gender clinics, they're often told that they're going to get comprehensive, multidisciplinary mental health assessments. We know that that's not true. In practice, these kids were put on a fast track to medical transition. Layla is now 18 and is fighting back. So this does not happen to anyone else. My name is Prisha Mosley. I was a 15-year-old girl when the trans community found me, already diagnosed with multiple mental illnesses, including anorexia, a body dysmorphic disorder, and borderline personality disorder, a trauma disorder. I was easy to manipulate and convince that I had been born in the wrong body. I was told that this was the reason for all of my mental and emotional distress. The gender specialist I was taken to, taken to see, told my parents that I need to be put on puberty blocking drugs right away. They asked my parents a simple question. Would you rather have a dead daughter or a living transgender son? This is the moment that we all became victims of so-called gender affirming care. But is this the document we're talking about? You needed this letter signed by a therapist to open up the door for you to, to get these medical treatment. Is, is this the document that we're talking about earlier? Yes, it okay. is. And it took you how long to get this? Oh, uh, 30 minutes. The ideology that has become dominant at these clinics is that trans kids know who they are. And therefore, to question them, to ask basic therapeutic questions, like, could your gender dysphoria or gender identity have been triggered by some other event in your life? Basic questions of screening are completely taboo in these circles. But the truth is that parents don't have much of a choice in the matter. And doctors are telling parents in front of their distressed children, if you don't consent to the use of puberty blockers and cross-sex hormones, 
your child is going to die by suicide. I believe that most doctors who practice gender-affirming medicine, they genuinely, sincerely believe that they're doing good, but they're not. Finland, Sweden, France, Norway, and the UK are reversing course and asking questions. Have all not found enough medical evidence, psychological evidence, to support transgender therapy. In the UK, their only national gender clinic for children shut down last year by court order. What do their doctors know that our doctors don't? Part of the problem is that the current cohort of teenagers that are being transitioned under the affirmative protocol, which lacks guardrails, which takes kids at their word when they say I'm trans, which doesn't do proper mental health assessments. In fact, double mastectomies on teenage girls went up 13-fold between 2013 and 2020. Between 2016 and 2019 alone, these procedures went up by 500%. A study published in 2022 by researchers who are advocates of gender-affirming surgeries showed that the youngest patient to have received a radical bilateral mastectomy in the United States is 12 years old. These kids are going to grow up and they're going to start to feel the full effects of their medical decisions. They're going to start to feel the side effects. If you really want to know whether amputating the breasts of a 12 or 13-year-old girl is ultimately in her best long-term interests, ask her when she's 30 or 40 and unable to breastfeed her own child. I would go out into the world and everyone's calling me Ollie. Everyone sees me as a guy. But then at the end of the day, when I'm home in my room, looking in the mirror, I'm like, what did I do? Like I start getting these like really scary thoughts of like, you're incomplete. You're not a guy. You never will be. But even though you're legally, you know, your driver's license says you're a guy, you know you're not. You finally have expressed your true inner self or whatever, the thing that you wanted to do so badly ever since you were like 13, 14 years old. You did this thing to alleviate this gender dysphoria, you know, that wasn't there before but you made it into a problem, and now your body image issues are worse. That's not supposed to happen. What do we do now? I just woke up one day, looked at myself in the mirror, and asked myself, what the heck am I doing? Because I realized no matter if I would have gone in every surgery, continue with hormones, I realized I would have never been a woman. At best, I would have been a caricature of what I believed a woman was. Nobody would help me because they had more concerns of me reversing everything. I just socially detransitioned, got the implants removed. So I had technically developed gynecomastia. My chest is not like it used to be, and it never will. I have scarring, numbness, and unfortunately, 
my nipples are completely different, eh, to put it lightly. It has been taking a major toll on me since I realized what I've done. I was almost five years on testosterone. So if I had gone further, I, I wouldn't have been able to go back. When I found out I was pregnant, I was just over the moon. I mean, I, I was scared. I was gonna have a doctor tell me that like, sorry, you're infertile and it would have been my fault. There are so many young people who are going through very similar things that I did and are still being told that transition will save them. And it's just not true. My story is tragic in some ways, but it's very redemptive in many ways. That cannot be said for many detransitioners. And that's just heartbreaking. Like, I can't imagine living with that. Like, I can't imagine what it would be like to regret a bottom surgery or, you know, to, to be infertile. Because when you were a, a little child, like 12, your, you know, parents were manipulated into putting you, like blocking your puberty. Being so young, I was so impressionable. I was told so many times, it's possible that you're trans, it's possible that you're trans, that eventually I started to believe it. Unfortunately, transition, made things worse for me. It has just kind of wrecked my perception of myself and I feel like I missed out on like three years of my life. I missed out on three years of living my teenage girlhood. I didn't realize that there were women like me who were different. So, here's the deal. I'm detransitioning. It's true, it's not a joke. I understand now that I can be a cis woman again. I haven't gone too far. I haven't passed the point of no return. I can live as a woman again. I was something because people were reacting to me, but it was a me that wasn't really me, so I was protected. I was protecting myself with the trans label. These pediatric clinics that perform these surgeries they will do nothing to help these teens if they decide to detransition. There's nothing you can do. You know, once you've taken all those hormones, Billy, your body is changed beyond repair. You don't have to remove your body parts to make you complete. When I transitioned, my suicidal ideation did not go away. Transition is not the only answer, and there are many detransitioners like me out there. My name is Camille Kiefel. My name is Emily. My name is Laura Becker. My name is Abel Garcia, and I am a detransitioner. My name is Daisy, and I am a woman. Those are some great stories um, to hear that they actually were able to come out of the darkness, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Good episode, tragic news. Hard to listen to, but impossible to ignore. And thank you for listening to The Ugly Truth, because... They can't stop us, cause we're ready to fight, trying to brainwash us, but we won't let freedom die, the whole world's brainwashed. Everybody pick a team, start a riot in the streets, the whole world's brainwashed. 
ugly truth, hard to listen to, but impossible to ignore.